This is the Rent Festing Podcast with Peter Mastriani. Today I'm joined by Ian Ugarte from Small is the New Big. Ian, welcome to the Rent Festing Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. No problems at all. Just for our listeners' benefit, Ian, do you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and what it is that you actually do? Sure. Uh, I'm a plumber builder by trade. I actually have a degree in teaching and I entered the property investing market about uh, 24 years ago as a first home buyer and I soon realised that when we had a portfolio of seven properties uh, and I loved my job as a teacher at Safe New South Wales that I needed to get rid of my negative gearing because a new boss turned up and I couldn't leave work, I was stuck in a job. So I set about educating myself by doing a couple of number of seminars and courses and uh, within we set our goal of 18 months to get out of work and within 13 months I was out of paid employment and from that we developed a, uh, a system called the high income real estate system where we concentrate on high yielding properties that are low risk and um, uh, you know how, how to achieve that and how to show other people how to do that and we continue to do that ourselves. So that's a hell of a journey to start off from one to uh, build a portfolio up to, to seven and, and then retire from, you know, the, the normal day to day. I'm sure there was many defining moments uh, along the way. What, what, what changed in that dynamic for you? I think the number one thing that changed for me was that uh, the realisation that needed gearing, I, I just followed the herd and did what everyone else had done. And so the irony of those seven properties, I actually had to sell down six of them and made a massive loss so that we could restart and build the, you know, the, the bigger portfolio we have now. And, you know, the irony of all that was that we had to lose money for me to learn and feel the pain so that I could move forward. And one of them included an uneducated purchase of a subdivision that cost us nearly $300,000 and that's what I call my property hex fee. Uh, so the $300,000 of loss has meant that we've been able to make multiple uh, of millions of dollars in, in property now. So what is it that uh, you're actually involved in at the moment? What is what is small as the new big? What, tell us about this venture. Yeah, so small as the new big is about bringing back the genuine connection and community by providing diversification in the housing and what that means is that Australia builds the largest houses in the world at 246 square meters there's only 2.5 people per house we have 12 million empty bedrooms tonight and we've got an affordability issue so going through that process of changing our portfolio around and doing different things I woke up as a property developer about four or five years ago and I woke up with money in the bank and a really hollow feeling and I thought that the money that we were producing property was going to make me happy. And I, and I had a very sharp lesson around that, that money didn't make me happy. It gave me freedom and choice, but I ended up very hollow and very sad and money didn't make me happy. It made me much sadder. So I looked at what was available around and started doing the research around the size of the housing and realised that there was a huge problem in society. And and currently, right now, the biggest growing demographic of homelessness in the country is a 55-plus single woman. And through no fault of their own, they've looked after a house for the last 20 or 30 years, married to a man that was supposed to have a good job that was going to look after them forever. But once their kids left home, they look across the husband, they say, I want out, and they get a really crappy financial settlement of about $100,000, and they go out, and they don't change their standards of living, and they shouldn't change their standards of living. But they're hundred grand becomes eighty grand. 
yeah. doesn't go far at all. And, and when they get to 30 grand, they then go and buy themselves a car and start sleeping in a car. And that's, that makes them homeless. And it's a really, for me, I, I couldn't, I can't go to bed in a comfortable bed every night knowing that there are people out there in that situation. That's what we call the white collared homelessness. And so we, small is the new big has gone about making sure that we can fix that problem. And that's going to be done by creating one million self-contained accommodation units by December 2027. And so that the only way we do that is we specialise in rooming and boarding. And what we've done is we've taken boarding houses and rooming houses from 1970s and we've updated them to 2018. And we create high-end self-contained rooms that are bigger than hotel rooms and more comfortable than hotel rooms. And they just happen to share a communal area with everyone else. So uh, a, f a few things on, on what you've just outlined there. But, but firstly... Why is this important for you? So you sound pretty passionate about this topic. Yeah, I, um, for me, for every morning I get up, I need to make sure that people are in a better place and, and I get up every morning to see change. And um, the reason I get emotional around this particular topic is um, if, if, I, if in my drive from five years ago I helped one person, then, then I, I would be fulfilled. And it just happens to be that at least one person has been affected. And I know multiples have, but I'd like to, if it's okay, tell your story about um, Rebecca, who works in our office. And she came to us after we popped an ad into Gumtree looking for, we literally called the ad of Mary Poppins. And we had a list of very specific things that we were requiring in an adopted grandmother is what we were looking for. Someone that could help us with our four daughters, someone that could help us around the home and help us in our business. And see, she started to work with us for about nine months and we realised after nine months when she came to me with a particular situation that she was one of these 50 plus, 55 plus year old single women that was living in a really awful situation and needed, and needed somewhere to be safe. So since that, two years later, she's now one of our best employees. She looks after our kids. She drives them backwards and forwards when we're away doing, you know, um, doing our advocacy work and, and trying to get councils and, and ministers around the country to change things. And she has this beautiful relationship with our daughters and she lives in one of our properties comfortably. And, uh, we make sure she got a real estate agent's license. She looks after our portfolio. And for me, you know, her life. We didn't change her life. We gave her an opportunity to do something, and she took that opportunity. and And I'm just passionate about making sure that everyone in Australia has a place to sleep and a comfortable place to sleep. and And that's my drive every day. So, what do you think? As a society, we've moved away from this notion of community. Oh, absolutely. You know, these four bedroom mini mansions that they build along these new estates, and I don't consider myself to be a standard developer. I very much have housing diversification. You hardly ever see me build a four bedroom house. If the four bedroom house is built, it has a certain make of it that will allow multi generational living within it. And, you know, these larger houses have meant that people live in their own space, they never get outside, they don't know. I always tell the story about growing up in my street in Sydney and, you know, I had my Aunt Carmel next door who, because of circumstances with my mother, she, my Aunt Carmel would get me ready for school, she'd feed me and get me off 
you know, out in the street, I'd play with all the kids and there was the German family across the road and the Greek family next door and the Aussie family next to me and my auntie Carmel, who was Australian, I really physically, I, I didn't realise until the age of 11 that my auntie Carmel next door was actually not not my real auntie. Yeah. And I get, emo- I get emotional about my auntie Carmel because she passed away uh, probably about five years ago and she was closer to me than any of my aunties, um, my blood aunties are. And why? Because she was part of our community, and 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 she and she brought me up. And there are people in in those days, in the 1970s, 1980s, where um, you maybe you didn't get on with your neighbours so much. But if your neighbour was to trip over and hurt themselves, you'd probably get them in a car, get them to a hospital. And I'm not sure that that happened anymore. So there are patches of community around the country, but nothing like Australia used to be. And I blame the four bedroom, two bathroom houses because of that. Blame it in, in what way in, in that they provide the comfort and security, you know, these McMansion types that you don't need to well, interact you, with others or? Yeah, I, I just think there's too much there's, screen time. Well, there's no diversity. Yeah. All they are are four bedroom houses and that's, and you know, this great Australian dream never used to be a four bedroom house and it's now become a commodity to own a four bedroom house rather than uh, creating a home. And when you've got these multiples of four-bedroom houses down the street, there's 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 no diversification of the type of families, and they don't need to go outside. Mm-hmm. They're only worried about driving their car into their double garage. The remote control door comes down, and they never actually get to talk to their neighbours. Mm. So, what's what is high res, and and how has it actually been developed? So the high income real estate came about by default. Like I said, I was looking for an answer to be able to find really great ways for the community to benefit. And it just happened to be that we chose strategies that allowed communal living. So people to create a community within one house and they were through rooming and boarding houses. And there's policies all over the country that allow you to do this very simply and easy without, in in most circumstances, without needing council application or at the very least not being able to, not, not having a council that can't refuse your application because you're using state laws. And so once we started to do that, we realized that the return on doing these style of properties not only helped the community, but had a greater return for us as investors. So as an example, if I go to Victoria right now, the metropolitan median rental rate for a four-bedroom house in metropolitan Victoria is a four, is $420. A two-bedroom house is $415. Now, why would you go building an extra two bedrooms as an investor when you're only going to get $5 more in rent in metropolitan Melbourne? And that's the same around the country. These figures don't change. However, if I can take that four-bedroom house and I can convert it into four what we call micro-apartments, so they are self-contained rooms with their own kitchenette, their own ensuite and their own area to sleep and live in, I will take my rent from $420 and I'll at least double it. If not, it'll take it to $1,000. So I'm, t- I'm talking about taking returns in investment properties from 4% to 5% to double-digit returns. So we're talking 10s and 12s and sometimes up to 16% returns for the same property. And we're providing cheaper outlets for people to be able to rent a smaller space in a home. So we usually provide a housing or micro-apartment at one-half to two-thirds of the of the lowest rate in any suburb. And I'm not talking about low socio here, I'm talking about high-end suburbs where you can provide something at a, at a reasonable rate and low-end suburbs where you can provide something at a reasonable rate. 
because affordability in Rose Bay is different to affordability in Chippingal. It's just a different number. Now, I know a couple of things around this, but I'm, I'm by no means a, an expert. And what I've come to know about boarding and rooming houses and is pre- predominantly through my, my main business, Loans Only, where we've provided some financing solutions for, for boarding houses and, and rooming houses. And it's very difficult to achieve. A lot of lenders are not interested in taking them on as, as security. Why is that the case from your experience? Yeah, and I agree that funding them is difficult. We do have a way to be able to fund them in different ways. The reason that funders find it difficult to secure them is they, as you know, all funders look at their risk exposure. And they say, well, we agree that the income is there. We agree that it's a building. What we've got a problem with is that if the, the mortgagee was to default on the loan, we would have to sell that to the marketplace and we don't believe there's many buyers for this. So over the last few years, we have 1,300 members that have come along and joined us and each one of them is very much willing to buy one of those properties at sometimes a 9% gross, but even an 8% gross. So if that means, if, if someone's willing to buy something at an 8% gross return, when you look at the income, that actually increases the price of the property. And as an example, there's a, a client of ours that built some rooming houses in Brisbane. They are receiving close to $80,000 of rent coming in for that property where normally it would only pick in probably 50 grand, maybe even less. And so because they're receiving 80,000, they were taking offers at just below a million dollars. So just under 8% is what someone's willing to pay for that. So that was a million dollars for the rooming accommodation that, that was put forward as a sale price versus the four bedroom house next door that was gonna sell for $800,000. So I understand that banks are, are seeing that in that way. And what we're doing is working with a number of lenders right now that understand what we do, why we do it, and the outcomes and the benefits. Now, there is a way of being able to build a 1A building, so smaller style rooming and boarding house, at a 80% lend um, and use that uh, accordingly once the rooming accommodation conversion has happened. Hmm. Lenders aside, though, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe councils are very interested in this style of housing primarily because it's, it provides a affordable solution without urban sprawl continuing to, to need to take place. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they are. You have the New South Wales State Government. They're very proactive around this. They have a, a great policy that goes across the New South Wales area where that, as long as you can tick all the boxes in low-density land, you can get a boarding house approved. The council cannot refuse it if you tick all the boxes. Victoria probably has the best policy in the country. It has an exemption where your approval process in low-density blocks anywhere in Victoria is a building surveyor or a building certifier approval. So as, as quick as 14 to 30 days, you could get an approval. In South Australia, you can do up to five rooms self-contained through a building surveyor or certifier again. In Tasmania, it's a 28-day approval process in low-density areas. In WA, you can do up to six rooms um, self-contained and have separate leases. In Queensland, Brisbane City Council has uh, has one of the greatest policies in the country where private certified approval on a low-density block means I can put five micro-apartments inside one house. And to get you to understand how this has affected the market in a positive way the Brisbane City Council area has rents dropping 
and it's not great for investors long term, but in the short term, we're talking about paying off debt as quick as you possibly can. You're still getting a 10% return. But the, what's happening nowadays is that there's residents that are now in a position where they can there is a, a choice for them to be able to live where they want to live at the price that they want to live. So if they wanted to live in Paddington in a rooming accommodation, they now have choices to say, well, I used to have to rent in Rockleaf for 250 to $300 a week. Well, now I can rent in Paddington for $300 a week. Yeah. And that is creating a great affordability outcome. Rentvesting.com.au is proudly in partnership with Loans Only, Australia's leading investment lending specialists. Visit them at loansonly.com.au. Ian, prior to actually recording this show, you made mention of a, a project that you're currently trying to get off the ground. It sounds pretty exciting. Do you mind just sharing some of the details around that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I have a concept called the circle of life, and that is where you start yourself in a tiny house or a rooming house. So you have a small micro apartment or a smaller house as a teenager, 19 or 20 years old. You meet a partner, you save some money, you go into your first home, which is a smaller home, maybe 60 square metres, where one side of it is a studio, which is where you would live, and the other side is a, is a one better. And then you slowly make your way after having kids to the point where you might end up in the four-bedroom house and the first child you have starts in their circle of life and then you start to downsize. Now, we picked up a site which is a... It's currently still a race course and a greyhound track and a showground. Uh, and we've had to negotiate with a number of government bodies, with uh, the racing body and up to 16 different clubs that use the site. And we have a MOU that needs a zoning change, but it's a 10-hectare site. And we will be putting into that site a retirement village and a nursing home and a childcare centre. Now, those three have to operate together. The childcare centre must, as part of their lease, visit the retirement village or the nursing home twice a week. We will have a different style of housing all the way. So we'll have housing diversification all the way around that site. So we'll have tiny houses, we'll have rooming houses, one bedders, two bedders, three bedders, and we'll have four bedroom homes. Okay, so these are not units. They're simply on the ground with um, where you know, the residents can walk out and touch the ground. And three to four different churches that have talked to each other and said, you know what, we only use church, our church for uh, three to four hours on a weekend. Let's do a timetable where we'll share the space in there. It'll also be a community. Yeah, it'll be a community centre. It'll be a place where all the different clubs, the Pigeon Club, the Archery Club, all the different clubs that are using the site now will also have space in there to be able to use. Uh, You'll be able to probably have 3,000 people in an event uh, for the churches, and we have some fairly large churches in this area. Now, that will be the core facility, um, and you don't have to be religious. It's more about the community hub. Everything in this 600 in this 10 hectare site with 600 odd people living in that will be able to use that centre and integrate their lives and will know each other very well. Um, and the idea here is to minimise the amount of cars that goes through the site and activate the amount of walking and integration with with your neighbours. Um, that should happen, like it used to happen in 1970, and it's what we we're doing in most of our projects. Turning back time, Ian. Yeah, and really enjoying it. I'll tell you what, there's, you know, we're, we're not pioneers by, by no means. We're, we're no pioneers. We simply look around the world and we say, where, where do things work best? And, you know, as an example, one of the strategies we use is we build a two-bedroom 
um, two bathroom, one communal area home, uh, like they do in Finland, and we put a student in with a person that's 65 years old or older. And as part of the rent for the for the student, they will get a reduced rent every week as long as they go shopping with the 65 year old or they go to the movies. And every time they do that, they then simply get online. Tell, tell us what they've done, get an okay from the 65-year-old, and that reduces their rent by $10 a week every time they do okay. one of those things, yeah, which is, a, which is great because you get a mix of demographics, a mix of ages, and there's some learning that happens between the two ages. Yeah, absolutely. So how do people find out more about Small is the New Big and these projects that are coming online, or, or, or perhaps how do people find out if their, their current investments are actually suitable for, for this style of accommodation? Yeah, look, that's a really great question because 50% of the people at least, if not more, that already own investment property don't realise that they can actually implement these strategies. And so you can find out more at smallisnewbig.com.au. Uh, we have a free report, two free reports that you can download about what we've spoken about today. Um, and from there, you know, joining the high-res program and understanding the education process of making sure it's been a very um, strong six years around learning rules and regulations around the country and policies and what we did was streamline them into a process so that those people that feel a bit um you know they feel the despair and the insecurity and the fear of not knowing how to invest next because i felt that what we do is we just simply put it into a process so they can follow they can properties and they actually can also do it in what we call the entrepreneur strategy that's taking someone else's property with full approval um, and converting those properties. So for as little as $10,000, you can earn $10,000 a year in cash flow by using someone else's property. And that's what I love about what we do, that we give everyone the ability, whether you have a lot of money in the bank or a lot of equity, or you have very little, you can start into the property journey if you want to do that right now. Ian, I love your passion. I love what it is that uh, you're getting out and, and, and trying to do and, and wish you every success. Thank you for coming onto the Rentvesting Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Rent Vesting Podcast. We'll continue bringing you the latest investment strategies and news. So stay updated by subscribing to the podcast and by utilizing the free resources at rentvesting.com.au. If you do genuinely enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review. It mightn't seem important. However, it helps us more than you think. Here's to your investing success rentvesting.com.au. Rethink, reinvent, rentvest.